0: Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Jesus is here. He speaks to us by His authority, through His Spirit. As we recite his word, we're in John chapter seven, beginning in verse one. After this, Jesus traveled in Galilee, since he did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. The Jewish festival of shelters was near. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea so your disciples can see your works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret While he's seeking public recognition, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus told them, My time has not yet arrived, but your time is always at hand. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Go up to the festival yourselves. I'm not going up to the festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said these things, he stayed in Galilee. After his brothers had gone up to the festival, then he also went up, not openly, but secretly. The Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, Where is he? And there was a lot of murmuring about him among the crowds. Some were saying, He's a good man. Others were saying, No, on the contrary, he's deceiving the people. Still, nobody was talking publicly about him for fear of the Jews. When the festival was already half over, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. Then the Jews were amazed and said, How is this man so learned since he hasn't been trained? Jesus answered them, My teaching isn't mine, but is from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, He will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. The one who speaks on his own seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Didn't Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You have a demon, the crowd responded. Who is trying to kill you? I performed one work and you were all amazed, Jesus answered. This is why Moses has given you circumcision. Not that it comes from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses won't be broken, are you angry at me because I made a man entirely well on the Sabbath? Stop judging according to outward appearances rather judge according to righteous judgment. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I just want to express my thankfulness to all of you who participated in different ways through the 21 days of impact. Thanks for those of you who uh, got the devotionals, hope they were helpful. They were helpful for me to write and study through Psalm 23. And thanks to all of you who served in different projects all across our community, uh, whether that was Joseph's Storehouse or Compassionate Hands, uh, Feeding the Homeless, or Salvation Army, Tearing Down a Wall and Rebuilding an entire another one, uh, I think a couple times. Uh, then we had, uh, we had, what were the other ones? We had our, our ready initiative for people to go serve in the school at Winfrey Bryant. Uh, some folks who helped deep clean the Missions House. And then yesterday, kind of culminating in this Missions Market car clinic. And incredible just to see... An unbelievable number of single moms and widows that were able to come through, get their cars worked on, all kinds of repairs fixed, and, and I was talking and praying with some of the, the ladies who were here, and they were just expressing how big of a deal it is to have a car that's reliable. As kids are going back to school, and a lot of times these single moms are basically bus drivers, you know, taking them all over creation, and so having like a car with brakes and, you know, batteries and everything that works, and so my skill set was utilized, I helped pick things up from O'Reilly's Auto Parts, that's about my, you know, effective uh, Skill set. But so thankful for the men who who uh, used their gifts in that way, and the women who did hair and makeup and played with the kids and served meals. And anyway, it was incredible. And so so thankful for the opportunity that we had to make an impact over these 21 days on our community. We, and we want to continue that. We will continue to have opportunities for impact that we will be sharing in the weeks and months ahead. But so thankful for that. And and just a reminder. The reason why we do everything that we do comes down to our mission statement, which is reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. That's why we do everything that we do, and we want everything that we do to be oriented around that. The question, as we move to our passage in John chapter 7 this morning, is what is it that keeps us from fully surrendering to Christ? What is it in our own lives and collectively that keeps us from fully surrendering to Christ? I think a helpful illustration as we consider that question comes from the big book of AA, and it gives an example. Uh, It says, each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. Let me just stop there. Can anyone identify with that? I'm an actor, but I think I'm the director, and so I want to arrange everything according to my way, including you. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Right? I mean, seriously. That's right, isn't it? If everyone would just do what you know they need to do the way that you know they need to do it, the world would be perfect. Right? It would solve all of the problems. The only problem is if I am an actor who thinks I'm a director and you are an actor who thinks you're a director, what happens when our plays compete? Boom, oh, right? And this happens all the time in marriages, in families, in schools, in communities, in churches. And there is this massive reality that we experience. And, and the, the big book of AA says, hey, behind addiction in all of these different ways is, is this kind of thinking and the kind of ways that we try to pursue things and the insanity that comes when things don't work the way that we want them to do because they never do. And I think there's a connection with this and what Jesus is experiencing in John chapter 7 with two groups of people. The first group is his brothers. And the second group is that what is called the Jews. And I've said this before, but I think it's important. When you see the Jews, like the Jews were trying to kill him. Does that mean all of the Jewish people in Israel were trying to kill Jesus? No. And that's really important because there's been some really problematic things in church history because of this. We are talking about the Judean leaders, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. There's this group of people who are seeking to kill Jesus that are oriented uh, in a certain way that Jesus is addressing. And so these two groups of people are trying to get Jesus to act according to their direction. And the problem is Jesus is saying, hey, I am not an actor in your play. I am here to do the actual director of the whole show, right? The, the real the God, the father, the one who's actually over the whole show, who actually arranges the lights and the ballet and the people. And I am seeking to do his will exclusively. And that claim of Jesus causes real problems. And I think that it is something that we need to hear today as well because we are just as prone to be actors trying to run the whole show and we need to hear the words of Jesus speaking his truth with the authority of the Father. And so first I want us to to notice in this passage the emptiness of seeking the glory of others. So we find that the time... In the Jewish festival calendar, where these events are going to take place, is the festival of tabernacles That's what your Bible probably translates it as. It's also the festival of, or the Feast of Booths, or of Sukkot. And I will be talking more about this because later in John chapter 7, some of those details become more essential to understanding what's going on. But basically, you just need to know it's the third uh, of the, the festivals where people actually came into Jerusalem. So all of the Jewish men specifically had to p- make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so you began... With What was the first one? Passover. And then you had Pentecost. And then third was Booth or Sukkot. And so we're now at this, the final festival. And, And again, we'll talk more about this in these pilgrimages. But what you need to know is that all kinds of people from all over the world in that area are coming to Jerusalem. And Jesus' brothers, they don't believe he's the Messiah, but they do know that he's a miracle worker at this point in time. And we'll see how that changes, but they've seen the miracles and they know that. And so in their minds, miracles are impressive. And if you could get in front of the crowds, all of these people that are coming into Jerusalem, you can get a grand audience, right? You can make a real name for yourselves and so they say in verse 4 for no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition if you do these things show yourself to the world right let's take this show on the road now is this what Jesus is seeking is he actually seeking public recognition does he want to gather all of these crowds who are so impressed with the miracles and the simply the show no, right? That's not the purpose. He could do that in, in, in a much grander way than he does. In fact, actually, what he did, he's actually moving away from a, a lot of these crowds in different ways. This is not Jesus' purpose. His purpose is glorifying the Father, doing what the Father has called him to do. And so because of this, he's not seeking the glory of the crowds or of the people. And so he says in verse 7, this world cannot hate you, but it does hate me Because I testify about it that its works are evil. The freedom that Jesus has from trying to please the crowds, from gaining this public recognition, is that he can say the truth. He can speak the things that God has called him to speak. And not be concerned. Now specifically. And we're going to see this more through this passage. Who is it that Jesus is speaking truth to? Who is he at conflict with? Right? These Jewish leaders. And this is who Jesus is specifically speaking truth to. And opposing in some ways what they are doing. All of this really goes back to John chapter 5. And it's going to continue In John chapter 7, but it's a core clash. There's a core issue. And it was when Jesus healed a man. You remember this from John chapter 5? That's been a while. And he told him to pick up his mat and walk. Now, that seems like a good thing, right? And yet, the fact that he picked up his mat and walked enraged this group of people because they were those who were to enforce a certain structure of rules and that broke their structure and that was kind of at issue and so jesus in john chapter 5 verse 44 really hits at the heart of what's going on here he says how can you believe since you accept glory from one another but don't seek the glory that comes from the only god whose glory are they seeking each other's glory glory And so he says, you don't believe in me, even though clearly I'm doing the things that God is doing. I'm doing the works of God. Clearly I'm demonstrating the fact that I am the Messiah. You're not going to believe because you are so focused on each other's glory. It's kind of like school starting back. It reminds me of, you know, middle school, high school, and there's this popularity contest, and we're trying to to please a certain crowd. And you want to make sure that you do the things and say the things that keep you in this certain group. And that's very much in, in some, what's happening here holistically with these leaders. There's, there's this expectation that you please one another, that you keep glorifying each other so you stay in the, the good graces. And what Jesus is saying is if you're doing that, and this is for us today, if we're pursuing the glory of others, guess whose glory we cannot be pursuing? gods. It's kind of like when Jesus says you can't love God and money. Your heart has to be oriented somewhere and if you are living for the glory of other people a crowd to be included in a certain way you will not be able to live and be oriented around the glory of God. This is what Jesus is addressing and he is not living for the glory of the crowds, the glory of others. He is living for the glory of the Father and it will cost him. Ultimately this will cost him His life. And even in his death, he will be bringing about the glory of the Father. I want to notice, secondly, not only the foolishness of seeking the glory of others, but the foolishness of seeking your own glory. Now, Jesus doesn't immediately do what his brothers tell him, to go up to Jerusalem and start doing miracles and gather this large crowd... But he does eventually go up to Jerusalem during the festival. And about halfway through, we find out. But he's not doing miracles. What is he doing? He's teaching. And Malachi 3 is behind all of this. He is actually teaching. And this is the work, specifically, that he is called to do. And in that teaching, there's a group that's gathered around him. And we read in verse 15, Then the Jews were amazed and said, How is this man so learned since he hasn't been trained? Now, there were certain credentials where, I don't know what you do, but in your work, there are probably certain credentials that people have, right? In the medical field, you got nurses and PRNs, and then you got doctors and all of these others in between. Now, in this context, there were degrees, there were credentials that people had, And Jesus doesn't have the credentials that these Jewish leaders have, right? He doesn't have the PhD. He doesn't have the diploma from whatever, you know, theological seminary. Or or he didn't study under this particular respected rabbi. And so because of this, they don't think that he has credibility, right? If you don't have credentials, you don't have credibility. And yet... What's everybody, how's everybody responding to his teaching? Well, they're amazed. He's way more impressive than these guys with all the degrees and, you know, the boring teacher guys that have had tenure and whatever. And they are, they're overwhelmed, and it doesn't make sense. It blows their mind. How could you have this authority you teach with such wisdom and truth when you don't have the degrees, you don't have the credentials, you're, you're not part of our system? And Jesus answered them, Verse 16, my teaching isn't mine, but is from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. Let's hold there for just a second. He is not focused on himself and his glory. He's focused on exalting God, bringing glory to God. And so he says, this teaching is not me being so smart and impressive. I'm not coming up with these clever things to impress other people, to draw glory to myself. His teaching comes from where? From the Father directly, right? So he doesn't have the degree, but he does have the direct revelation of the Father. And everything that he is saying comes from God. He goes on in verse 18, the one who speaks on his own seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him he is not seeking his own glory but the glory of the father and so because of that he is saying what is what true right follow the truth wherever it leads you he can stand with confidence and speak what is true and and know that ultimately that god's going to work out the details my dad preached last week. It's always entertaining when my dad preaches. So I appreciate all the feedback that I got. You never know what he's going to say, but I'm thankful when he does. But he has this saying that he always talks about people putting their finger in the wind. Have you heard this? So what does that mean? Somebody's putting their finger in the wind Well, they are waiting to see the winds of, you know, popularity and the winds of kind of where things are headed. Where's the in crowd going? Where's, where's the following going? And once they kind of pick up that the wind's blowing this way, what are they going to do? They're going to go that way. They're going to say the things that this in crowd wants to hear. They're going to go where the following is going to be. And if you can keep doing that, it doesn't matter if it's consistent just as, as long as you're popular. And this is the opposite of what Jesus is is, is calling for, Right? Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to, to say what is, what is true, what God has said, no matter what the response of other people. And I think this is very important because this is not, a, part of this can be compromising for the broader culture. And we hear a lot about that, right? Cutting out things that are true and making things more acceptable. But I think this is, can also happen with, not the broader culture, but subcultures, and we can find there's these subcultures that grow and they want to hear this particular message. And so I'm gonna speak in a way that'll get this crowd to follow me and I'm gonna to preach to the crowd, right? And try to, try to kind of say the things that they wanna hear. But at the core, you are, you are living in a way, again, you're moving back and forth that constantly changes and you're compromising the truth. You're compromising the heart that truly seeks the glory of God. Third and finally, we see what Jesus actually does is the fulfillment of seeking God's glory. As people who are his brothers desiring for him to seek his own glory and therefore theirs, and then the Jewish leaders seeking one another's glory, right? Seeking to make sure that they're, they're keeping expectations up. Jesus speaks into this. They are prideful in their role and their responsibility and and the titles they kind of have. And Jesus says, didn't Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. So they are the keepers of the law. They have this mantle of Moses, right? Now, is any of that a bad thing? No, right? Absolutely not. And yet at the core of this, it has become something that is a source of pride. And was the law of God ever supposed to be a source of pride for anyone? No, right? This was never the... The the law was always meant to be pursued through faith and trust, right? Dependence on God and... De- the devil is the one Who brings about pride Right that has nothing to do but, but, the, but the law and these positions And this connection with Moses Become a source of pride And he says yet in the midst of that You're not actually keeping the law Right you're not doing it And this is, and this is the truth Does anyone keep the law perfectly? No Right? All of us fail. Jesus is the only one who perfectly fulfills the law. And the intention would be that we would understand that we are always depending on God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness when we fail. And that we would receive that because Jesus ultimately, he fulfills the law and he, he provides us with this forgiveness, this grace, this mercy. But the expectation would be that we show that same mercy and grace to others. That we are those who, who don't pride ourselves and we are, we are superior because of this and we're going to simply look down on these people as being inferior. Right? That misses the heart of God completely. Do we see this? It's anytime somebody is seeing themselves as being superior to others because of their keeping of, of, of the law in this way, And it's a source of pride, right? It's completely missing the heart of God. And this is what Jesus is going to get at, the heart of God behind this. He says, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses won't be broken, are you angry at me because I made a man entirely well on the Sabbath? What he's talking about is there was a supersession in the law. When you had a boy, if you were a Jewish family, what were you supposed to do on the eighth day after the boy's birth? Circumcise the baby. Well, what happens if the eighth day after the baby was born was a Sabbath day? You still circumcise the baby. And this was a work at one sense, but the law understood this commandment of circumcision superseded some of these expectations. And so this was built in within this. And Jesus is saying, okay, if you're willing to compromise at that level, to, to see this call for circumcision as superseding or, or being the priority, then what about me making a whole man well? <laughs> right? Like, I healed this guy. And if you understood the heart of God, then you would rejoice. You would be thankful. That's the heart of God. But instead, you're angry because you're you're missing the heart of God entirely. And this is what he said in verse 24. Stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. And hear this. Self-righteous judgment prevents righteous judgment. Their view, a super. Official understanding and the way that they judged was that Jesus, by healing this man on the Sabbath, was breaking the law of God. Was that a right judgment? Or was that a right understanding of God's intent for the law of the heart of the Father? No, it wasn't. If they had understood the righteousness of God, the heart of God, God's intent and his purposes, then they would have rejoiced. They would have experienced this love for this brother who the father had healed through Jesus. And this is where we have to, to realize God's, God's intent. What was the Sabbath about? Providing what? Rest. Ultimately, what does Jesus come to bring? Rest. Rest just for your body so that one day a week you kind of take it easy rest for your soul right this is the heart of the father to bring rest to our souls and we find that rest that true ultimate sabbath rest in trusting in jesus in surrendering completely to him because he fulfilled the law perfectly in our place And then he died the death on the cross, taking all of the penalties, all of the consequences, all of the punishment for our failure to keep the law for us. His blood is sufficient to cover all of your sins. And then he rose from the dead, conquering the power of sin and death so we could have eternal life, so we could live in fellowship with the God of the universe in a way that begins now and never ends. And what do we do to earn this? Nothing, right? For by grace you are saved through faith. It is not yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's the problem. There's boasting and pride, and that's not part of the kingdom of God. We receive this as a gift of grace, and then we show that grace, that mercy to others. And so where we find ourselves is in a position of receiving grace. The gift of true rest for our souls. Let me ask you a question. And the band can go ahead and and come up anytime. What does it feel like trying to run the whole show? What does it feel like trying to make sure that the people around you are impressed with you? Like seriously. It's exhausting. It's tiring. You're constantly having to make sure the people around you are pleased with you, keep up an appearance. That's exhausting. (laughs) What does it feel like to constantly have to try to work everything out in a way that your will is done, your purposes are accomplished, you are the hero? How does that feel? It's exhausting. I'll be, so we're, we're about to take communion. And so maybe this is a moment of confession. But so last week was my brother's wedding. He was married and we celebrated that and thank, thank you for that. So I, I had the honor of being the best man. And part of that role is giving the speech or the toast. I kind of put my thoughts together and in the moment standing in front of this large group of people I didn't know them all guess what I I got anxious and I kind of mixed up my words and I didn't feel good about how it all kind of came out so guess how I felt after that I was discouraged just being honest whose wedding was it my brothers right right Was it a happy day? If I love him, was that a happy day? Yes. And yet, how awful and just sinful and selfish that I was sitting there thinking about myself and how I had done. I mean, it's it's like it's as bad as it could, it's terrible. And and guess what else it is? It's exhausting to live that way. It's exhausting. It just is, and yet we do it. We're always trying to run the whole show, and and this is where it's like Jesus is calling for rest, right? Like stop this focus on a, a pro, others' approval and constantly trying to to keep people. Top this focus on on trying to make everything work according to your way and and make you like. Stop trying to earn your way to God, right? Stop trying to earn God's love and forgiveness and constantly like, okay, I did this wrong, so I better do these things right. Like, that's misery. It's, it's insanity, right? That's why, like, that's the AA book. That's what's behind so much addiction. Like, we're miserable, so we try to cover it up with all kinds of stuff, numb ourselves out. But guess what? It's an itch. What happens when you have a a rash that's actually a rash? Like, I've had these, like, you know, poison ivy. What happens when you just keep itching it? Does it ever actually go away? No, what does it do? It gets worse. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to scratch this itch and thinking that somehow, someday, it's going to work it's just not right like you don't have that you can't scratch it away but jesus does he takes it away he takes the fullness of your sin he takes the fullness of my selfishness last saturday and today he takes the the full weight of guilt and shame entirely into himself dies for us so that we can have life so we can live in freedom and joy For for the glory of God, right? And that's when you catch the glory of God. That's what Jesus never lost. He never, not my will, but yours be done. The glory of God alone. And so he could live in freedom. And that's what he wanted these people. He wants us to live in. This is the call of surrender. True freedom through full surrender to Christ. I can't. (laughs) But you can And so I surrender to you. Maybe you've never done that. You've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus. Truly trusting in him, not yourself. If that's you, I'd invite you to do that today. To surrender to Jesus really and truly, fully surrendering to Jesus. Trusting in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. right? His spirit to lead and provide and guide. And you can do that. You can do that. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.